0: My name is Chris Brennan, and you're listening to the Astrology Podcast. This episode was recorded on Thursday, December 13th, 2018, starting at 4.42 p.m. in Denver, Colorado, and this is the 184th episode of the show. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with Ashley Otero and Patrick Watson about what it's like to be a parent and an astrologer. Uh, for more information about how to subscribe to the podcast and help support the production of future episodes by becoming a patron, please visit theastrologypodcast.com/slash subscribe. Hey, Ashley and Patrick, welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thanks Thanks for having having
0: me. Yeah. (laughs) So Patrick, welcome (laughs) back. And Ashley, this is your first time on the podcast, right?
2: Yes. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Yes. Right. Something something like that. All right. So um, this was a topic that actually you you brought up, Ashley, because it's something you've been thinking about and sort of working on a little bit lately due to some changes in your own life over the, the past few years, right?
2: Ah uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought it would be interesting to have an episode or have a discussion about children and their charts and astrology, since it's pretty relevant. And I thought it would be fun to speak to other astrologers that have kids too, because I feel like uh, maybe it's just a feeling, but sometimes I feel like most of the astrologers don't have kids, or maybe their their children are just older, and a lot of us younger astrologers don't. And uh, you know, a lot of them don't yet have kids or don't have kids. So I thought it would be a fun discussion to have.
0: Yeah, and you recently you had your first child recently, right?
2: Uh yeah, uh September 2017. So he's a year and uh almost 3 months. He'll be 15 months on the 16th.
0: Okay. And Patrick, of course, we've we've had you on the show at at various actually like crucial points, I believe when you were having your first and second child and third child. So what are your you have three children now. What are their ages?
1: Uh I have one who is 7, uh I have one who is 4 and another who is 3 and no more.
0: <laughs> no more.
1: <laughs> that's uh yeah, that's 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 enough. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Astrology podcast has kind of played like a uh it's, it's always kind of been there at these kind of crucial moments. So I'm a little freaked out actually kind of wondering like what's, you know, I'm on the show again. What's going on? But um uh, yeah, uh this is a really uh interesting topic and it's funny how I keep kind of coming back to the show on this topic in in some ways we talked about the uh election of my son's birth and and uh uh issues revolving around Saturn in the fifth house which in the Saturn sagittarius uh episode so uh yeah happy to be here and um ish- interested to uh talk with um other astrologers on this topic and i think it's kind of cool because uh we have like a mother and like a father uh representative you know <laughs> um uh Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what we have to say.
0: Yeah, I forgot about that. That was actually episode 15 of the Astrology Podcast in February of 2014, which is titled The Ethics of Using Electional Astrology to Time of Birth, where you were wrestling with the, you know, if it was coming down to the line of whether you were going to have to induce the birth, then there started to be all these questions about whether you should and like, you know, picking your child's birth chart and all this other stuff back then, right?
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. I remember that
2: episode. episode. That episode was really like impacted me. And I remember having a huge argument with my partner about that episode (laughs) or just about that, that whole concept. Um, We had a pretty lengthy discussion or argument about it. And just like what we, you know, are butting heads about our different differing opinions on that. So, but I remember. About whether you
0: should or whether you shouldn't.
2: Yeah. About whether like if that were, you know, if we were to have a child someday and like if. We found ourselves in similar circumstances. Would you know, I was basically probing him, seeing like, would he be okay with me electing a time if I had that option? And so
1: did you? <laughs> I
2: didn't have to actually. It, oh, um, yeah, I progressed pretty happened. quickly and yeah, he came pretty fast. So that didn't, uh, luckily didn't have to like worry about that, but um, right, but yeah, it, and years ago, we weren't really coming to agreement on that, but I remember that episode was pretty. Um I liked it a lot. It was it had an impact on me.
0: <laughs> That's funny and that was the same situation with you, right? In the end Patrick is that you had sort of thought about it a lot but in the end it didn't end up mattering because it ended up happening.
1: Well, the one part we did have control over was the day, but you know, the general hour it it got pushed back further than we had planned because of um other emergency births which were happening at the time. And so he came right when he was supposed to, and uh, there are other sort of implications of that that I think are really kind of interesting. Um, you know, so p- partly I did, you know, choose the time, and for my second child as well, my my third child rather. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I I had a bit of a hand in it, but I mean, ultimately, you know, the universe had the final say.
0: Yeah, and you were there like with an atomic clock like timing it and your second child has like 29 degrees of Taurus rising but you know for sure it's 29 degrees it's not 0 degrees Gemini.
1: Right. Yeah, I I, I am absolutely positive that he he was a 29 degrees Taurus rising and we found out that you know various points of our relationship pr- leading up to that point featured 29 Taurus. So it was a uh, weird foreshadowing of his arrival. But uh, yeah, I may or may not have been, you know, focusing on the time a lot, a little, little too much. While my wife is, you know, being cut open, um, <laughs> she, uh, you know, it was a, uh, it was a tense moment.
0: Yeah, uh, and you actually were talking about that on Twitter recently, how you noticed that different parts of your relationship with your wife, different crucial turning points. The like astrological placement of those was weirdly tied in with twenty nine degrees of Taurus.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't want to get out too off topic of you know the sort of the while well, we were on topic, but um, uh, yeah. Basically, um, my wife and I don't have any placements at twenty nine Taurus, so I was really confused about why his ascendant should be at this degree. Um, th- there's nothing in our charts, no midpoints, no lots, nothing like at that degree of Taurus. But then I look back through our relationship, and like we met when the moon was at twenty nine degrees of Scorpio, and we had our first kiss when Jupiter was at twenty nine degrees of Taurus, and I know this we <laughs> conceived him uh on the night when the sun itself was at twenty nine degrees of Taurus um i we just happened to know that um <laughs> just because of the way things turned out uh when we uh in the weeks leading up to finding out. Uh, that uh, we were pregnant so um yeah it, it was really strange but the the chronology of our relationship sort of seemed to foreshadow this degree and it ended up showing up you know as his rising degree so and then his sister has the moon there too so it sort of carried on um with my second with my third child
0: right i like that because that kind of um Foreshadows like some of the discussion here today, because it seems like a lot of it comes down to questions about choice and like free will and fate, and like how much you should try to control things versus how much is outside of your control, or or you should just like leave up to to chance or what what have you. And that sort of good.
1: Oh, I was going to say, what I'm really interested, though, to find out is if other people have had this same kind of realization because. It is difficult to get, you know, these kind this kind of information from like celebrity charts. It's really something you could only ask of an astrologer who'd understand its understand its uh significance. So I was curious for Ashley. Um I mean, maybe you'll have to like kinda of look back in <laughs> your chronology and kind of see if there are these connections with uh your child's chart, but um have you? <laughs> or uh
2: It's a good question. Um Yeah, as far as the conception, I'm pretty certain about the conception day. Well, it's like a two day window ish, but um, I know that it was like over the ocean. And um, when I well, when I found out that I was pregnant, um, you know, I was pretty sick and that's how I found out um, it was his due date was like exactly um, on that, like nine months from that or 10 months from that um, conception date that I speculated it would be um but as far as degrees go i actually haven't really thought about that like i didn't really look at that but there are some interesting interesting themes and like seeming like interesting family ties between um our charts uh he doesn't have you know he's a virgo so uh i'm a i'm an aquarius and my partner is a libra uh so it's not like you know he ha- he doesn't share the same sun sign or moon signs or anything like that but there are some interesting uh, themes like where the nodes are placed next to you know planets like so he's got some nodal stuff his moon is near my a lot of fortunes like conjunct my fortune which is pretty interesting I think um, and we have like this interesting dynamic thing between our charts so it's like these full moons so like my son opposes his moon and his son opposes my moon um, so and then like looking at my partner's chart as well there's some interesting things there but um there's this kind of like carried on Jupiter theme and Jupiter's pretty strong and pretty um big in my chart and, and between my partner's chart as well. So he's got that Jupiter in the fourth. So I think that's interesting to see.
1: Interesting. Yeah. The I mean, that's almost a whole other topic, is the the sort of the astrology of uh family connections. Right. It's, yeah. The rabbit hole goes deep. Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it it's kind of funny. Uh you mentioned that about like the Jupiter thing. Like my uh, my son is has the same Jupiter as his grandmother, and like she has like a very special affection for him, <laughs> you know. Like she, he's he, he's almost like her, her favorite, you know. And so I think it's funny that they both have the same Jupiter placement, yeah. uh, by degree almost. Oh wow. Um, in uh, Cancer. So. Yeah, and that was actually that was episode one of
0: four with Lynn Bell, where we talked about her book. Uh, Planetary Threads, which is about the astrology of family dynamics. And she brought up that topic, or we talked about it a bit about how sometimes you have chart placements that will repeat across generations, whereas other times, like a, a child would be born into the family that has something that the rest of the family doesn't have that kind of balances it out or, or adds some sort of counterbalance in some way.
1: Well, and you see that with sort of so called black sheep of the family, you know. Like it'd be interesting to look at the chart of like Sting or something, you know, because he is this big musician, but he said he came from a family of non-musicians, and he was completely, you know, seemingly unrelated in that sense. So it kind of makes you wonder if there would be like an astrological correlation with uh, that kind of uh, thing. Right.
0: So did you guys have? I mean, one question is did you have trepidation then coming up knowing the chart ahead of time? Or did you have a lot of questions? Like Ashley, did you have when you're getting closer to the due date, were you focused on um, what the birth chart would be? Were you like, I don't know, apprehensive at all? Or what were your feelings as you got closer to actually like meeting your son?
2: Um. Yes, well, it was something I thought about pretty often. I mean, just, you know, being a practicing astrologer, I was, I was pretty anxious and like anticipating which day he was gonna be born on, you know, I was definitely looking at, you know, where the moon was going to be on those days leading up to my due date. And um, originally, my due date was actually September eleventh, And then I don't know. I think I was like 30 some weeks at one point. And my midwife told me, Oh no, you know what? Actually your due date isn't the 11th. It's this, uh, the 17th. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so wow. it, it changed that. And, you know, like I was before then I, w- I had been looking at the, uh, the moon's transits and like looking, I'm like, Oh, it'd be really nice if he had like a Taurus moon and, you know, <laughs> hoping that he has like a nice moon, of course, because I'm I'm thinking about his relationship and, uh with me and um particularly because I have a um a challenged moon uh in my chart, and so I really didn't want him to have that, so I definitely was anxious about that. I did want him to have a a nice moon and not have um you know not have any contact with the malefics um uh, with the sun as well um so I did think about that, yeah, I was thinking about it a lot and always just wondering, and then you know it's not really something you can. No, it's just like kind of wait, hurry up and wait, wait and see, wait and see. And um and then I pretty much went into labor like the day before or two days before my due date and he was born the day before his due date. So
0: Wow. So it was pretty close to the roughly mm-hmm. the chart that you sort of were able to anticipate from yeah. thirty thirty weeks on. Yeah. Okay. And um I because mean, that's Sort of leads into one of the questions then that you asked when we were sort of talking about this in preparation for this discussion, which is the question of um, so when, once you have the chart, whether it's ethical or whether you feel that it's ethical to like try to delineate that chart, or if there's anything that's sort of unethical or risky about attempting to predict like aspects of your child's future. I think that was one of the like underlying questions that you had in, in thinking about this discussion at first, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious as to what other astrologers feel. I know, you know, like we you've had um quite a few episodes where this topic comes up briefly and we talk, you know, like you'll speak with other astrologers about their perspective on delineating or just consulting someone on their child's chart and whether that is okay or not. And right. I, it seems to kind of be like there doesn't really seem to be a, a correct answer, but a lot of astrologers tend to say or seem to feel that um, it kind of depends. Uh, but I, you know I think some astrologers feel like it's you know something that they shouldn't be even talking about or even looking at and then some don't really seem to care at all. I feel like I'm a little bit in the middle and I think it really depends. Uh I think it depends on, you know, the parents reasons, like why do they want to have like, why do they want to look at their child's chart? Because I think there's um legit reasons for doing that. It's like, you know, what what kind of temperament might they have and, you know, how might they do in school? How can you help them in those kind of regards emotionally? Like what's a good way for you to bond with them? Maybe um, if you feel like there's differences or if you feel like there's a barrier between you for some reason. So mm. I think that there can be some good things, but of course if you know, you're trying to groom your child into being something that you want them to be, that might not be of interest to them or in their interest, then obviously it seems like there can be some kind of problem with that.
1: Yeah. Right. I, I would, I, I agree with that. I, I, Although I think I might fall a little more on the side of, uh, I mean, I'll admit I have no problem looking at my child's chart. Like, <laughs> however, I think I think the 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 um, the line I guess that I draw is uh, I think it's okay to look at my child's chart. I just um, I try not to take anything that I get from it to the point where I would exclude other possibilities for them so like for example um you know i can see from you know my son's chart for he has a he is his ascendant ruler is venus in the ninth in capricorn uh, conjunct pluto opposite jupiter so he has this really uh and near and retrograde so he has this really uh kind of striking ascendant ruler and he's this very adorable you know, little boy, he's obviously going to be very handsome and he's such a ham and uh, he loves to perform for people and he loves to kind of, yeah. And so this, you know, naturally gets me and my wife thinking like, well, you know, should we sort of cultivate this in him? And I would only ever want to uh, cultivate something that I really felt like I just saw as a person rather than as an astrologer. I feel like, you know, I feel like being a parent is here and being an astrologer is below that somewhere, has to be. Because I mean, I, I I'm not a I mean I'm not a perfect astrologer. I I, um, whereas I feel like I could <laughs> potentially be a better parent than I could be in a, an astrology. You know, with a when you're a parent, you you are dealing with the child that you're actually seeing. You know, with with astrology, you're dealing with you know kind of this uh, almost um, there are some uh, abstractions, I guess, or you know, it's it's less visible, it's less tangible. So I just feel like. You know it's okay to look at your child's chart. I just don't do anything irreversible based on that. I only base your actions on you know what you are sort of properly seeing and understanding and um experiencing with your child as a parent rather than an astrologer.
0: I'm trying to think of some potential drawbacks because there's both you know people that that think that astrology is incredibly useful or could be incredibly useful in in life in general. And as like a tool or something to maximize your potential. And so you could see why they would then apply that to the charts of children. But then the drawbacks is sometimes um, astrologers, there can be like misapplications of astrology. And I'm trying to think of what some of the worst case scenarios might be that somebody could have could could lead to or cause somebody to have trepidation about using astrology or applying it to their child's life. Like what would be, theoretically like an maybe an inappropriate or problematic use of astrology
2: well um something oh something that I, you know i had thought of is like for example let's say an astrologer is you know someone a parent takes their chart their child's chart to an astrologer and they want to just inquire about what their child will be like let's say they're still an infant and they want to kind of get an idea of what their child's going to grow up to be like um, maybe some You know, inherent things that they're going to what they think they're going to grow into, regardless of how they're nurtured, or maybe because of the way they're nurtured. But, um, for example, let's say the astrologer says, Oh, it looks like there's some emphasis on the sixth house, and you know, maybe this, you know, you might want to watch out for this child, um, like falling into some kind of depression later on in life. Like that would be kind of it's almost like saying that is just, um, I don't want to say, like someone might think that it could be like a self-fulfilling prophecy for them to say something like that. Like if you tell them your child might get depression later on in life, but that's one, the parents are going to just be in, you know, so worried after that and going to be feeling like terrible and like, oh my gosh, analyzing every single thing that they do. Like, what if I do this wrong? You know, this is going to negatively affect my child. So I think that that's a pretty risky and dangerous thing that, You would think, you know, well, who would say that? But I'm sure there are a lot of astrologers that might say that not thinking that, you know, there are consequences to interpretations like that. Um, Even if it's true, even if it's a possibility, you know, it might not be something that should be interpreted or said. It might not be something that, you know, because you can't ever really know. And it could manifest in so many other ways besides, like, for example, depression or mental illness or Something of that nature,
0: right, yeah, and that's usually where the discussion focuses is definitely on astrologers and a, like an, a, cl- a client who's an a parent seeing an astrologer and whether it's ethical for the astrologer to read a child's chart from their parent without the child's consent, basically, and some of the potential not just the consent issue but also the potential for saying something that could negatively impact like the parent. And they're the way that they relate to the child in some way, like like that, if they issued a bad prediction, like if the astrologer said, you know, the child has a difficult planet in the third house, so they could have trouble traveling someday. And so the parent then never lets the child like get a driver's license or something like that. Or right. um, or I, they have a difficult I, planet <laughs> in the eleventh house and they I, say I, <laughs> Go ahead. Right,
1: I'd just like to clarify my uh, my what I had said earlier was uh, reflecting on like, am I okay with reading my own ch- uh, child's chart? Child? As when it comes to someone else's child, then I think you have to be uh, just as judicious as you would be with a client, or in dealing with someone else's child as like an educator, or um, a counselor, or a doctor. I mean, I I think in all those cases where you're dealing with someone else's child, then you have to be yeah really really careful about uh, the kinds of impressions that you give them and um <clears throat> so right because you, you yeah, have an, I, <laughs> a unique perspective i wasn't on just that saying like oh are, yeah i'll read any kid's chart. like no i mean i'll read my own kid's chart I, I won't you know do anything irreversible you know with them based on their chart. but yeah i when it comes to other people's kids you gotta be yeah super careful
0: yeah and you have a unique perspective because you actually work with children as part of or you did as part of your day job
1: uh yeah i'm a teacher i'm a teacher still um yeah so um <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's a minefield. Um, you know, you never want to. You know, it's it's uh, it's probably one of my worst fears is you know getting a, a you know some all caps uh email from a disgruntled parent. You know, a something Johnny's upset about from happened in my class. You know, it's I mean, it doesn't happen often, but you know, it's um. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's a fact of life you got to be really really careful uh talking with uh, other people's children. It's very sensitive issues there. Uh...
0: Sure. But um yeah, but I could uh, imagine like a worst-case scenario of like of just a client astrologer situation and you say something negative about like, the the kid's chart, like say they have difficult planets in the 11th house and, and you make some generic statement like they might have trouble with friendships at some point in their life. And then the parent as a result of that like keeps them from forming friendships and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where the parent is actually the agent of the, the problematic thing that the astrologer saw on the chart. That's probably one of the things that astrologers worry about the most in terms of this in terms of a client setting. But certainly, I'm sure astrologers who are parents, that's a concern potentially as well perhaps is seeing something and then accidentally causing that to happen inadvertently by trying to avoid it or something.
1: Um I mean I'm trying to think of when I might have facilitated a self fulfilling prophecy um but uh I mean I I got to be honest I don't well one I don't really have the time to focus on my kids charts as much as I am just in the daily administration of parenting them um <laughs> so I don't really I don't really parent by astrology and I think that must you know sound strange like you're an astrologer and you're a parent and you don't parent with astrology I mean I I I, I not really. <laughs> I mean, I'm aware of things. And obviously, uh, when, when, um you know, when bad things go down, you know, I kind of look at the chart tra- and transits, and I'm like, Oh, yeah, well, that's activating all my Mars placements with, you know, my kids. And that's probably why that happened. But I, I I'm, I'm, I find it difficult to uh, use it very proactively, because <laughs> life is just kind of barreling on at me. Well, you know, the whole time, it's, it's, Everything's going by too quickly to to kind of get a broader sense of perspective of, you know, what's happening astrologically and, and you know, how the, all these things are lining up with me. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, Ashley, but um, like full moons, they never go to sleep, right? <laughs> like, well, yeah. I'm just up then too, because they're up.
2: Yeah, well, I mean... Um, he's only, he's only been here for a year and, and change. Um, so he doesn't really sleep much at all anyways. <laughs> all right,
1: fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay. Well,
2: maybe yes. a little later on.
1: You'll... But yeah, he is, uh, his,
2: he is, his ascendance in cancer. So he's you know, his ascendants ruled by the moon. So yes, he definitely, um, fluctuates with that and with the full and new moons. He definitely does.
0: <laughs> so that actually raises a point about, Um, have you guys sort of recorded or have you paid attention to different milestone moments astrologically in your child's like developmental phases and then noted the astrological correlations? Or is that something that you avoid doing or only do in retrospect because it kind of like would take you out of the moment?
2: I certainly have. Um, I've done it for a few milestones already, but it's not like it's not like um, you know, like something will happen. Um, for example, when he first started crawling, or um, moments when he had said "mama" and the, the first time. Um, like I would look at the time and I would like jot it down on my phone in a note section, but I don't pull up a chart right then and there because I'm busy focusing on making sure he doesn't like hurt himself or something. Right. You know, I'm too busy parenting. Like, uh, like Patrick said, it's like, things just are going so fast that you don't have time to sit there and like, okay, let me pull up this chart and look at this. And You don't have time for that. Um, but it's fun to well, go back and look at Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's it's fun to go back and look at it later, and which I have, uh, But I don't, you know, so I definitely record certain milestones when I, when I'm thinking about it and I see something's happening and I I look at the time and I try and write it down so I can like save it for memories and look back on it. Uh, But it's not something that I definitely have time to sit there while it's happening. I try to still be kind of in the moment and like paying attention to his first or whatever is happening so I could kind of actually enjoy it while it's happening that first time. But um but yeah, it's interesting. Um, and then looking at sometimes it seems like relevant transits, and other times it seems like oh, I don't, I don't really get anything from this. Like I don't really see any relevant transit going on that's you know relevant to that. So
1: I right. think I think I uh, took down the time that they first walked, like so, you know more than like a couple of seconds of wobbling, and um, I think I took down the time of like the first like really clear word. Um, just cause I thought, you know, that's, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's going to be, uh, you know, useful to some, at some point. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think I have that data stashed away somewhere. What I think is kind of funny about looking at the transits of kids is that you see kind of the same types of scenarios, but just like shrunk down to like a kid size version. So like a kid's Mercury retrograde period is very different from an adult's retro- <laughs> Mercury retrograde period, right? I mean you know i noticed this especially with um my gemini daughter um you know with the gem with a mercury old son she's very clever and uh very uh crafty <laughs> she's very um <sighs> how do i say it without making it sound <laughs> terrible no. she she's she's very good at kind of um finding the loopholes in kind of our rules and very good at kind of executing like a perfect strategy to like get to the cookies when she's not supposed <laughs> to. Good. But but uh, like a mer- like a kid's Mercury retrograde period is like when you know, uh, you know we told them that you know we were gonna go you know two of the movies if they you know did these chores and then we had to go back on it because like the car broke down and so then they are all upset because we can't go to the movie they wanted to see. You know, uh, it's <laughs> you know, um. Uh, it's it's like, <laughs> I mean, for them, that is like sort of the frustrating, like Mercury Retrograde aspect, but it's it's like a, you know, kind of shrunk down, um, you know, to the sort of uh, kid size. But all, all, so often uh, there's so many, oh my gosh, this past Mercury Retrograde, especially, um, which actually happened in my fifth house. Um, There was just so many stupid arguments and fights between the kids and they were just all been like, you know, it's like, me you know you, <laughs> she she took the remote, like he hit me like I, I mean yes they fight all the time kind of but i mean it was like especially aggravated uh during this um mercury retrograde in 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 my fifth house and in my wife's fifth house cuz we both have the same ascendant so uh it's just <laughs> uh it's it's uh yeah, it's the same so it's it's just kind of funny how yeah it, it like take like if you Think of uh, sort of an adult's experience of a Mercury retrograde and kind of shrink it down to like how a kid experiences it. It's it's the same thing. So that's kind of a funny um, way that I think astrology operates in the charts of kids. It's just sort of bite-sized, bite-sized Mercury retrogrades. It's yeah, funny I mean, that you
2: say that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Good. I was just going to say that all of those transits would be sort of much longer because they're taking up a much longer, larger portion of their current like overall life compared to somebody that's that's an adult.
1: Well, and you think about that when you think about how impacting some of these early events are. Like, it's it's kind of – I sometimes have wondered, like, why is it that earlier experiences are more impacting than later ones? And I think that's a good way to look at it is, you know, the percentage of their life that Mercury has been retrograde, you know, is uh, um, rather big, <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Um because they're so young. So yeah, it's kind of uh funny looking at it that way. And what were you um, gonna say, Ashley? Okay. No, yeah, I was just
2: Ashley. gonna add to Patrick's um point there that, that was interesting, uh speaking of Mercury retrogrades. Uh the one that we had earlier in the year, it was like the spring, I think it was it went back through to through Aries. I think it started in Taurus and went through Aries. Um was actually around the time that my son started crawling, and it, he when he began crawling, like a lot of babies, he began crawling backwards instead of forwards, and it was just so notable that it happened during Mercury retrograde, <laughs> and it was going back through Aries, and I was like, "Wow, this is such a – I I remember recording that and thinking, "This is so Mercury retrograde through Aries, an infant crawling backwards for the first time." Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing I always missed out. I'm the one in this group that doesn't have any children, but that's the part that I I feel like I missed out on is astrologers that are parents probably have like the greatest empirical like test of astrology to not not test but ability to actually study somebody's life from the very start. And even though you're not doing it constantly, you're still on some level in the back of your mind like noticing little things like that. I'm sure, or when different like personality traits sort of start to come out i'm sure that's something that you guys are noticing i mean at what point that's actually a good question at what point do you start to notice some of those personality traits that might correlate with the birth chart
1: um i think definitely as they've gotten older i mean babies when they when you first when they're first born they're just kind of you know, cute blobs who just <laughs> sleep, and you know, there's not really. But the, eventually, they start really kind of animating themselves, and it's really they. There's a there's a weird period of time where they don't say anything. Like they they're just they're like you know they understand things, but they don't actually say anything until they are finally ready. It's like a, there's some sort of switch that happens, and then suddenly they're talking, and um. It's, it's so it's so it's really it's kind of weird to see like these. It's like it can happen just in a period of like it seems like, like, oh yeah, for example, um, with my eldest daughter, um, she didn't really talk very much, she would say like a few words here and there, like she was maybe around three or so, but then we got cats and she suddenly started speaking to the cats and that was just kind of completely set her off. I wish I'd gotten. Uh, the time for for when well actually I guess I could probably go back and find out when we got the cats because I remember that was really when her speaking took off. But yeah, what I was going to say is I think they really start uh, becoming their personalities just you know as they as they go on. It's not always immediately apparent. Um, so like for example, my daughter um, she has uh, the moon in Cancer rising, and um, so she has the moon you know ruling her ascendant this is the gemini one and sorry i lost my thing there. and uh she is such a she's such a good like big sister like she is so um she's really grown into wanting to like take care of and provide for the kids i mean oftentimes she's doing things we don't even necessarily want her to do like you know she wants to make dinner for them and you know she wants to dress them and like sort of take her like she's it's almost like her younger sisters and brothers are, are her like her own children, you know, and she is very much like a mother to them. Um, you know, to the point where we're like, we're like, honey, no, don't worry about it. Like we got it. We got it. She's very like on top of it. Um, but uh, it's just funny. Cause we, you know, associate the moon with being a very, you know, sort of caring and, and domestic and nurturing kind of character. And she kind of em- sort of embodying that uh, even at this <laughs> early age, maybe that's typical of big sisters, but um, that was one thing. Uh, that I've, I've kind of noticed, but sure, she's devious so- as well, though, with the sun Gemini.
0: <laughs> Maybe some of those traits starting to come out more as things progress. I mean, because that's what, that was one of the debates. I think it came up recently because somebody like corrected me where I said there was a debate about like naturing versus nurturing, like how much is just there already when a person is born in terms of personality traits versus how much develops later as, as a result of environmental or other experiences that a person has, and somebody said that there's no that that's not a debate anymore in psychology. That it's generally just acknowledged that it's both, but I'm sure there's still questions about the extent to which one or the other is is more important in some instances or less important. You
2: yeah. know, I mean, you
0: noticing anything, Ashley, in terms of that at this stage after just like a year?
2: Um. Yeah. So, like Patrick says, you know, for quite a while they don't they don't speak. And he's just now starting to say a few words, particularly no, because we tell Mm -hmm. them that pretty often. Um, But even without speaking, he's still like, from a very early age, I feel like he's definitely had a lot of personality. Um, And I don't necessarily know or think that that's Maybe I don't want to say common, but, you know, maybe that's just because he's my kid and I'm like, oh, he's really like this. And maybe all parents are like that. But um, he from since like maybe even three or four months old, he's been very um, exuberant, like very much like a Leo moon, very like, you know, expressive and screaming, like out of happiness and laughing and just like lots of energy. And so I feel in a sense like that's definitely like big personality um a lot of people know like since he was younger like oh he's very alert and he's very you know social and so i'm you know i question and i wonder sometimes is that part of his leo moon coming out that he's very like fiery and just like look at me like i'm so cute (laughs) or if that's you know or what that's i don't know what that's about um but part of me does really feel that that is you know traits of his chart like his moon for example coming out. Um it's interesting that you say the thing about, you know, that that's not a debate anymore of nature versus nurture. I'm I'm reading a book right now uh that is basically a a really well-researched book on on the topics of introversion versus extroversion and um the author speaks a lot about like wondering, is this, you know, something that people are born with and, and, or is it something that, you know, just by way of nurture that we become a certain way. And, you know, some of the big researchers, it's like you said, like they're at this point, it's really a matter of both. But I think that um, the point has been that, you know, we're born with certain temperaments and depending on how we are nurtured into them, you know, we can kind of go on either either way of the spectrum and i think that's kind of a big thing that we can even see inside the chart is like is this child prone to being someone that's more introverted and quiet and thoughtful and serious minded or extroverted and you know big personality and just outgoing and those kinds yeah. of things i think that's something that's interesting because even something as simple as introversion versus extroversion has a lot of characteristics tied to those tied to those tied to those qualities
0: yeah, definitely. It, and even as it's astrologers.
1: Funny
0: though, oh, uh, even as astrologers, it's like we can see both, because on the one hand, astrology, the basic premise of natal astrology takes into account or assumes that there's some things that are kind of like inbuilt qualities or tendencies. But then as we were talking about a few months ago on the twins episode, you know, there's two people that can be born with the same chart or very close to the same chart. But if they're born into different families, that nurture those qualities in different ways or that have like different sinistry that might either enhance or um suppress some of those qualities in different ways then it's going to come out very differently even if you can see some some basic base similarities
1: yeah I think uh that's something that astrology doesn't necessarily take in, into account as as much uh, or rather astrologers don't really emphasize quite as much um natal astrology sort of really leans into the idea of nature. Uh, but I think we, we tend to um, not. also emphasize that these charts happen within a specific context, like you said, of, of sinistric uh, relationships with other family members. But I think also in terms of the chronology transits, for example, I just thought of this as I'm looking at the swing out there, that um, one of the transits I was kind of worried about for my son was um, Mars coming uh, going retrograde over his son. And yeah, like within a week of that transit, he um, he just had several like really bad, like kind of injuries. Like he fell off the swing and like since he fell off the swing, he's been he hasn't quite like been ready to play on it again. Like he's kind of found other things that he likes to play on. Um, And I think he's he he also he used to love when I uh, I would like toss him into the air, and he like hates that now. He doesn't like to be held up high like that, and I'm just sort of making that connection now. That yeah, like obviously, you know, he would be less likely to want to do these things when he's experienced that. There's you know been a, um, a consequence, you know, it, when he when he fell off the swing that we have outside, and uh, you know that's something you couldn't just get from his chart, knowing that he has the son in Aquarius, you know that there's several adjectives you get from that, but you wouldn't necessarily get the, I, I feel like the the transit from Mars to his Aquarius sun kind of brought out the, the more fearful or, or doubtful, um, you know, uh, qualities of the ruler Saturn, you know, and he only got that because of the, the danger, you know, that he experienced from, um, you know, the fall off the swing. There were a couple of the things in that week too. Like and it got, he touched a, something was too hot or something. I think fig- I'll have to go back and find the exact timing on that. But, um, right. yeah, I mean, that's but really basically, but basically, yeah, I mean, it was a Mars transit to write to his son, you know, it was, it was, um, injuries, falls, burns, you know, that kind of thing. It was sort of what I feared. Um, but, uh, I can't stop him from playing, you know. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to touch something that's too hot. I mean, I can try to keep those things away from him, but I mean, kids are crazy. They they do things. They they go places. Like it's difficult. Like it's not. You know, I, I don't. <laughs>
2: They're fast <laughs> at, at the risk
1: of at the risk of sounding like I'm just a totally negligent parent. I'm really not. I mean, in trying like this, this shit is hot. This pardon me. This stuff is really hard. So I mean, um, and this not an excuse, but he, 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 it's. Uh, you know uh it's it's difficult to just keeping your kids safe and and out of trouble.
0: Yeah. I mean that's a really good point. So everybody has a birth chart, but then the chart the planets keep moving after that point and then it's gonna hit different transits are going to hit everybody's chart at different stages in the developmental process, whether they're relatively fast interplanet transits like Mercury retrograde or even some of the Mars stuff we're mentioning here, but also outer planet transits like Saturn and everything else. And that's going to have a unique imprint in terms of uh, either emphasizing or, or sometimes causing problems or not causing problems, but correlating with problems with different placements. So I guess I could see a worst-case scenario. So you're talking about having to have the realization which you've sort of developed, I think all astrologers develop on their own about having to let go at a certain extent, and just let the chips fall where they may, which I think is a place a lot of astrologers eventually get to, just in terms of looking at their own lives and realizing that you you simply can't control or you can't manipulate everything. but having to do that also sometimes when it comes to people in your life, like your children, I could see like the opposite though, where I could see somebody becoming, if they were really focused on the astrology, becoming almost like neurotic about it and like trying to. Track every transit and trying to like stop every possibly difficult thing from happening, um, and that might be falling in that that category of when astrology and parenting could maybe be problematic or like not as helpful as maybe it could
1: be. Parenting is hard enough without like also adding on like the you know potential worry astrology can give you. And I'm not saying you should never use astrology and. In- in your parenting uh at all but i mean there's a, there's a point at which there's just not a whole lot more you can do uh as a parent or <laughs> as a parent you know consulting uh, astrology um so yeah i mean that's sort of a point i'm at is is there's only so much you can do i, I obviously try your best but you're on the human.
2: certainly it's it's you know astrologer uh, parents that are also astrologers it's Not, uh, there's really not really that much of a difference, except that, you know, it's kind of fun that we could see the charts. And, you know, it can be helpful in instances where we might think, you know, well, they're going through, you know, maybe they're older and they're going through, you know, their first Saturn transit that's significant. And so, you know, maybe, for example, it's going through their 12th, and maybe they're not telling you something that they're feeling bad about. And this is why they're behaving in this way. Um, So this is how you might be able to approach them, but not necessarily change anything because there's, you know, I'm, I'm also of the philosophy that there's really, you know, not, I mean, we have control over some things. But when you look at the big picture and how many other factors are going on in, in reality, there's a, a narrow lane that we're actually able to control and um the rest is, you know, a lot of things going on at once that we can't. Um, so we kind of just do our best, right? So even whether you're a parent, whether you're a parent, that's also an astrologer or not, it's just that we have a little bit of extra tools and things that we can kind of see maybe why something's happening and how we want to respond to it if when we can. And otherwise, right. if it's just like a past, something that's already happened and, Oh Maybe that's what was going on, like the Mercury retrograde in my fifth. Like this is why my kids are being so annoying and won't just stop fighting and just you know like those kinds of things. But yeah, I agree. It's it's hard enough as it is. It's parenting's hard.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and, and just knowing the duration. I mean, even for adults, that's usually one of the most useful things. It's just knowing like when a certain period will probably end. Like knowing the mercury retrograde will be over in 3 weeks or knowing that that saturn transit has like a 2 or 3 year shelf life before you know the most intense part is over what have you i could see how that would potentially be useful in a parenting context
1: mhm yeah no definitely
0: <laughs> yeah all right um what were some of the other like discussion topics that we wanted to touch on here
2: um someone actually i thought this would be just interesting um Someone recently approached, well, not that recently, it's maybe been a couple months, I don't remember, a month or two or maybe a little more. Uh, Someone asked me if I would write um, like parenting or like child horoscopes for their site. And I thought it was interesting, but I don't really have the time to dedicate to that right now. I, I ended up sending it to someone else to see if they wanted to do it, but I thought that that was interesting. And then it kind of like made me wonder... So if you were to write horoscopes for because you know, i now you guys have uh written horoscopes, you guys do horoscopes as well. So it's like if you're to write horoscopes in that context, do you write if let's say you're writing it for the child, like obviously the child's probably not gonna read it, the parent's gonna read it. So you're addressing the parent. So how exactly do you write that? Like, especially on a day-to-day basis on these transits, like if there's an eighth or a twelfth house transit, for example, like how do you put that in the context of parenting? And address it for the child, you know. Like, I wonder how that would be done.
0: <laughs> yeah, you'd have to recontextualize like all the house significations within, let's say, a five-year-old context. Like, what is, you know, a, le- a eighth house might be like sharing, like learning how to share, or something like that. <laughs> like a good like point. your 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 toys versus like someone else's <laughs> toys.
1: Well, you know, that's I mean, that's almost what like Valens, various Valens does it with like he mentions in a few places in. His books, uh, you know, um, these planetary periods get distributed by this many days or you know years or whatever. But for the charts of infants, like you know, do it by days and hours. You know, like he just shrinks the the, <laughs> the planetary periods down. You gotta you gotta shrink the the whole idea of the sky down into the sort of experience of of a child. But I mean, how young would we be talking? Yeah, I mean,
2: I don't know, but yeah, that makes like
1: sense. Like ten, like five. That's a huge difference. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't told m- much else about the details of that, but yeah. I just thought that that was interesting, and I were, I wondered about it after. Like, I wouldn't even know how to um, how to initiate that. Like, yeah, that's, that's a if they gave you an age range, like, what if they gave you an age range that was like between five and ten? That's just it's, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a little bit challenging, a little bit like, uh, and I'm not it's not really up for the task of um, children's horoscopes at this time in my life. I, being a parent is enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, one of these days that would be interesting. That's interesting, like thought experiment of how you would construct that, and it just brings up the sort of relative nature of astrology in general and the importance of understanding the context in which you're doing the delineation because. The context of the birth chart or whatever chart you're casting really makes a difference. And that's also one of the reasons why um, this actually came up on Twitter recently where it's turned out like there's, there's actually like a lot of young astrologers now suddenly that are using Twitter and that are not connected with the astrological community, but they've started doing readings and consultations and they're using it as like a microblogging platform and developing their own followings there. And they're starting to do consultations. And then one of the things that's interesting is that they're doing what a lot of astrologers I know and how I started out as well, which is that they're doing written delineations or written consultations at first, because a lot of newer astrologers feel more comfortable that way because then they can like collect their thoughts and write out the delineation and there's not as much pressure like to perform in like a verbal consultation. But I've been trying to encourage a lot of them to make that transition where everybody eventually. You need to make the transition towards doing consultations verbally because then you can have that immediate feedback and you can have that dialogue with the client, which is actually really crucial because that helps you to establish the context of the chart and to better sort of focus in on the things that are important and have that sort of exchange with them where they can also ask you follow up questions to find out what's important to them so that you can focus on what they actually really want to talk about and not just some other random part of their life that they're not inter- interested in at the moment. So that would be important, I guess, even if you're doing a delineation for a five-year-old.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right.
1: Ashley, I have a question for you. Okay. Um do you- <laughs> I mean I don't know if we're allowed to do that, but uh do you feel that like your child is described by your fifth house ruler? And do you feel like you are described by placements in your Child's child. I mean, I know it's he's, he's yeah. still really young. Yeah, um, but
2: um, I I wonder how he feels about that. And since he can't talk, <laughs> I can't really ask him. Um, right, but yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting thought. Definitely. Um, I'm curious about that as well. Uh, so my fifth house ruler is Saturn, and I have Saturn conjunct Uranus uh, within one degree. So I there I was born during the Saturn Uranus conjunction in Sagittarius. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. in my third house. Um, so I have a pretty full third house. And interestingly enough, he also has a very th- full third house. He has sun, Mercury, Mars, and the, th- and the third, uh, all in Virgo. So he was born during that Mercury, Mars conjunction, uh, by degree. Um, so it's, I feel it's a little early for me to tell if he does fit that Saturn, uh, that Saturn placement. Um, To me, he doesn't really seem super serious right now, not yet, but he is very inquisitive and he's very, um, he can be like mischievous, very in that mercurial way. So not Saturnian, but I do kind of find, um, I don't know if anyone else sees this, but I do kind of find this interesting similarity, um, even though there's no aspect there between Aquarius and Virgo, um, one's ruled by Saturn, one's ruled by Mercury, but I do feel like there's kind of this interesting thing where both of them have this attraction towards analyzing patterns and fitting things, you know, kind of into, like, maybe labels and kind of figuring things out. Well,
1: they're both, they're both air trigons. I I mean, you know, Mercury, Saturn, and Jupiter are the, the, the air trigons, so I, I can see that.
2: Yeah, so, um, I don't necessarily, I, I can't give you a clear answer as to where, whether I see him as my that Saturn Uranus, but I wouldn't be surprised being that he has, um, he was born with Aries in the 10th. And I know a lot of people contribute the 10th to the father. I kind of, con- I, in my own chart, I kind of give both to both parents, um, but I, th- I think that's a case-by-case basis really. Um, but he does have, you know, Uranus in the 10th and he has Mercury, Mars in the third. Uh, so he's... You know make of that what you will he's but he's even though he's not speaking actual words he chatters a lot <laughs> he's like a lot of gibberish <laughs> and he's um i i do kind of suspect that he'll be kind of mm, maybe eccentric or weird in some not like in a bad way just kind of funny um so yeah maybe that gives that that saturn uranus um as far as his chart he has the moon in leo his moon doesn't make any tel- Ptolemaic aspects, so it doesn't really have any kind of filter. So I'm curious how that's going to come out. And I'm, you know, hoping to not, kind of help him channel that into, like, balancing caring for himself as well as others, mm-hmm. you know, since he has that ascendant ruled by the moon. Um, and it, so I, when I, when he was born with the moon in Leo, it was like just in the Leo. He could have cl- easily been born with the moon in Cancer in the first Um and so, you know, that was one of the things once I finally got to see his chart after he was born, I was like, Moon and Leo, that's cool. I was like, so am I going to be the Moon and Leo mom? Like, am I going to be, I mean, is he going to be seeing me as, besides maybe dramatic, which I think probably that's true. Um, is he, he going to see me as like flamboyant and, I don't know, very expressive? Because for me, I think that's kind of interesting. The so,
1: astrologer mom? Yeah, maybe the, right. yeah, yeah, maybe right.
2: that. That That kind of yeah. weird, funny mom, um I guess that the hippie mom or something like that, even though to me i f- I see myself as very serious minded kind of serious person, but then on that sense, um I am very playful with him, and I kind of try and bring out a very childlike um attitude with him because he he's very mm-hmm. high energy and needs like a lot of stimulation and entertainment, so perhaps perhaps um I will say yeah. oh, I'm sorry. I will say, I just noticed a transit, um, as far as like seeing, like, um, seeing us as parents in their charts, I did notice on this last year, um, because he was having a, a, a cancer perfection. So the, the moon was especially, the transits were especially important to him Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, I noticed a lot of times when the moon was transiting through Aries and going through the 10th that my partner actually tended to get injured during those days. Like one time he sprained his, like a couple times he sprained or like injured his foot and his toe, like really badly. And like, he couldn't like walk or carry uh, my son. So I had to like, Always, always carry him and put him to sleep. And one time he hurt like his hand, and one time he hurt like his back. So I thought that was really interesting because I was like, after it happened like a couple of times, I'm like, I have to look at these transits. It was, like he just keeps injuring himself. And every time it was like the moon, there was an important aspect with the moon. And especially I noticed that it's transits to Aries, which happens to be through his 10th house. And I thought that that was an interesting thing to see.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> I mean, that reminds me of sometimes. Children like having like heavy, like a Saturn transit through the seventh house, and it's not their, it's not them having relationships or something, but it's their experience of or observations of what relationships are about. If there's like something going on in the parents' marriage, if like the parents split up or something like that. And that's Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, a tricky thing that I have come across occasionally when an astrologer sees something that might be tricky in a child's chart that might be reflecting something about the parents, either in terms of their relationship with them or their relationship between the parents with each other?
1: Yeah. I mean, I have some examples of that, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe, I don't know, kind of personal. But, uh, but uh, suffice it to say that, I mean, I think that um, when... When I when transits are happening through the seventh house of a child's chart, child, I think that it's reflecting through the parents to some degree, because um, uh, obviously a child doesn't necessarily have like their own relationships, but like the topic of like you know partnerships and connections or, or you know relationships, you know, I think it it has to do with, um, to some degree how the parents' relationship is going, because I mean there's a lot of things that happen in the child's life which are you know, directly related to, you know, the decisions and events that are happening in the the parent's life. So I don't know, it's almost almost like the the cycles of planets like mature, you know, so Venus transits the first time around, you know, those first eight years, you know, that those are going to be very different kinds of Venus events than when you experience them, you know, the second time through, you know, from eight to 16, you know, that's going to be the widening of your social circle, then 16 to 24, you know, that's, there's probably going to be more serious adult relationships and you know, sort of continues on, um, you know, with each um, with each pass of, of the cycle that they, they you know mean like not every Venus transit sequel, I guess, is what I'm trying to say anyway. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, I think I was just going to uh reflect, I was going to, I was res- originally going to respond to uh, Ashley's um, uh, comments about uh, how like. The parents are reflected in the parents' chart. What's kind of interesting in the charts of my kids, the fourth house uh, ruler for all of them is in the 10th house of their charts. So (laughs) their parents are all in their 10th houses. So I'm trying to figure out exactly what that means um, since they all have the same house position for their fourth house ruler. So different, represented by different planets, but still in the 10th. One thing I've noticed with the ruler of my fifth, the ruler of my fifth is Jupiter in the ninth. And it's the same thing for my wife, she has the ruler of her fifth in the ninth. And um, what I think is interesting about that is, you know, I was born in England, my wife was born in Phoenix, like our kids were, in a sense, born, like my kids were born in a in a foreign land, uh, you know, coming to the United States and then for 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 my wife you know her kids have you know english uh dual citizenship so i mean they could theoretically you know move to <laughs> the uk you know as uh, as adults and as citizens so uh there's kind of a an interesting connection there i wonder if it will mean that our kids could potentially um move away from us since they potentially have that capability but then also just the very fact that my you know kids don't come from my own homeland that they you know i went somewhere else and that's where i had children you know with jupiter the ninth um you know from the uk to the us so i think that's kind of an interesting way it's of how my fifth ruler has already kind of played out um in my own story of uh you know my children
0: yeah I have an example like that I think I used in my book of a client who had the ruler of the fifth and the ninth, and she had two children, and one of them grew up always wanting to live abroad and he wanted he wanted to like live in Asia for some reason. and eventually, as soon as he turned eighteen, like he moved abroad and he's been living there for the rest of his adult life. And the other child grew up in a largely um like not religious household, but then When she got older, she got like really interested and like involved in this specific sect of Christianity, and she ended up moving across the country to live in like a religious commune of some sort. So both children ended up manifesting different versions of like ninth house significations, basically, and you could kind of see it in the their mother's chart.
2: That's cool. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I I I remember a few days after, um, actually, like. Yeah, just a few days after Lucas was born, uh, looking at his chart um, and thinking like, hmm, I wonder if, you know, making speculations about us as the parents, uh, about our lives, just looking at his chart and not necessarily even the fourth house, but like looking at like his, um, you know, his moon and and thinking, you know, the ruler of that was in the third. And I'm like, huh, am I going to, am I going to homeschool him? Or am I going to be the one, you know, because I I have a thing with like, not really wanting to just ha- wanting to be particularly involved in what he's educated on and how he's educated. And so I was like, I wonder if I actually will be homeschooling him and stuff like that. So it's interesting to kind of be able to, to make choices or to think about what you will do down the road on your own life, just looking at someone else's chart, you, you know, your child's chart. Right.
1: Actually, did you say that the ruler of your fifth was in the third? Yes. So, I mean, the third <laughs> is like early yeah. education, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, Saturn the third is that's it's quite a lot of effort yes. to yeah uh, do homeschooling. So that's interesting. That's already kind of popped up as a. Uh, you know, primary concern for you is like the, the schooling, right. and education. Yeah, of your child. it's something that I thought. Of then, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, and you also mentioned that he had uh, several the Sun, Mercury, and Mars in, in the third as well.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: I mean, I don't want to do an on-the-spot interpretation of your child's chart child without seeing any of those details. But even just <laughs> from those details, I would I would think that uh, someone with like the Sun, Mercury, and Mars in the third might be um maybe a bit of a class clown potentially or a, you know prankster <laughs> of some sort um you um, know maybe it would be difficult for them to be in a kind of traditional classroom environment and that might be the source of how you then have to put in like a lot of effort in yeah. third house activities related to your child in kind of taking the reins of of uh, yeah. you know educating your child yourself um yeah. so it's that's i mean I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds. No, Just it's, sort of it's it a, okay. It's a, interesting. It's a a mid podcast <laughs> reading, <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? Um,
1: uh, but uh, I think that's kind of interesting. That sort of lines up that well, like way already, right? And yeah, uh, there's like the that line.
2: emphasis between both charts um, having kind of like that third house um, emphasis, and then you know, which actually kind of leads me to another thing that I was hoping that we could discuss was talking about composite charts with our children and like looking at composite charts between parents and children, um, which is not something that I had really thought about too much until recently when I was kind of researching to kind of see like, you know, um, things to consider for this episode when I was approaching Chris about it. And, um, and then I did end up draw, uh, casting the composite chart between myself and, and my son and, and so it was just, it's interesting to see. I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts about that in general.
1: I, well, I I actually must admit that I have not looked at any composite charts between myself and my kids. I don't tend to use composites quite as much in my practice as I used to. Um, I think they're interesting as kind of like midpoint maps. Um, we're talking about like midpoint yeah, composites, yeah, right? Yeah. But yeah, so... Um, one one thought I kind of have about that is that's sort of uh, showing one one part of uh I guess the the story like mother with the child like I wonder how you'd be able to combine three charts to sort of because right. I mean you know you're half of who right. they are yeah. and then the the father is the other so I wonder how one would <laughs> combine. Uh, three charts together. Maybe maybe looking at the midpoint of the midpoints between <laughs> <laughs> the like mother child, father child. Yeah, it's a little know, bit of a head I trip.
2: <laughs> yeah. I
0: mean I think somebody does do like group composites. I think that's an option on Astrodeanst. So it may be a, a thing that some astrologers do. But it is an interesting question. Just the idea the that's always been an interesting idea for me. And I think I interviewed John Townley just like a year or two ago. And the idea that when two people come together and they have some sort of relationship in their life, it's like there is some third entity, which is like the composite chart or the relationship itself. And there's something about your dynamic that's different than either of your individual charts on their own, or even different than what your sinistry is, but that there's almost like some some other third element, and that is sort of represented by the composite chart in some sense. And hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that is would be interesting to explore more more deeply for individual like parent uh, and other types of family relationships.
2: Well,
1: ooh, ooh well, I have a question. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No,
2: no. I was just going to say <laughs> that I did think about that, that episode that you did with him when I had come across um, some material online talking about composite charts between parents and children. And then I, I thought about your episode and thinking about you know, comparing like how does one person benefit or not benefit or what do they take away from that relationship which is the entity of the two charts together that you're comparing, you know, like comparing one chart with the other, like parent chart to the composite and child chart to the composite. And, you know, what do they take what does each person take away from that? And, you know, the the subtleties and all of that that gets tied into, you know, the relationship itself and and of you know the bond between parent and child I thought that was interesting
0: yeah I mean because it's kind of one of the big things that's really fascinating is the instances where the child's perception of the parent the the child can have like one perception of the parent but then that may or may not actually reflect what the parents actually like to an objective observer or when when the a, a child like has a certain experience of their parent as being like overbearing or being some other you know, quality specifically, but it might be coming out more due to the sinistry, or more due to maybe even the composite chart or something like that. That's really emphasizing, for whatever reason, just whatever personality or other traits the parent has being perceived much more intensely and much more in a way that's maybe not quite as they might seem to somebody else. And I, and I like the idea of being able to explore that a little bit more through astrology through things like synastry or the composite chart.
2: Yeah, I think that could be really helpful for those that are actually licensed therapists if they were also astrologers, I think that could be a very helpful tool to use.
0: Right, cuz then they could identify like you, you know, your parent perhaps makes you feel this way and these are some of the feelings that you have and that you you maybe have a hard time processing in terms of your relationship with them and this causes problems or what have you, but from this other perspective your parent is maybe let's say not necessarily that way to other people or they might come off differently to other people um, yes.
1: yeah i was going to ask um how do you approach the uh issue of like having multiple children because i know there's like the derived method where you look at the third from the fifth you know as like the sibling of the child and then i guess the, the ninth as the third from the seventh, you know, the next child, um, and so on. Or, uh, it, I, because I mean, I generally take the fifth house and its ruler to be kind of the primary, you know, significator for children in general. So not just, uh, you know, specifically the first child. But uh, it is an interesting thought of potentially using derived houses to like represent the different children. Although then I guess it would repeat after having six children. <laughs> um, Well, I don't know if what got, if you guys have any thoughts on that.
0: Um, I haven't dealt with that that much, but I mean, I know it's an issue. I've, I've run into instances where to me it's been clear, like with that other fifth house example, that both children were just manifesting different aspects of the same house. And it was more just like there yeah. was the house for children and the ruler of that house was in the ninth, and then both of the natives' children happened to manifest different versions of the same archetype and very distinctly different and yet still overarching thematically way, like, consistent yeah, yeah. Them- thematically consistent yeah. ways
1: yeah and, and that's that's the way i would i would look at it too but i don't know if you if you had an, an opinion about the derived house method for different siblings of so. I know
2: that people do certainly use it. Uh I I don't and I haven't really practiced yeah. that yeah. either. Um I think it's interesting and I'm a little curious um because my dad for example has seven kids so I'm curious as how that would look <laughs> if we were to use the derived houses but I just look at his um he also has Sagittarius in the 5th with Saturn there so he's got you know Jupiter ruling his 5th and he definitely has a lot of kids. <laughs> so.
1: Don't tell me that.
2: <laughs> 7 kids. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah uh, but another I, I thing
0: know. related to that is that the um you know in a lot of ancient authors it wasn't just the 5th house that was children but also the 10th house was treated as having to do with children because it's kind of like what you the 10th house is the house of praxis or of occupation and what one does or what one creates or produces. And the 10th house then was partially like, you know, one of the things that you end up accomplishing in your life, which is your children. So there's like those mm-hmm. two houses as treated as relating to children. And then in some authors like Ptolemy, that gets extended to also like the 11th house and the 4th house. So he actually deals with like the.
1: Right. The 4th, 5th, 10th, 11th.
0: Yeah. As all relating to children. And I was never sure if that was because of derivative houses where he's saying that the 5th and the 10th deal with children. And then the um, 4th and the 11th are like the 5th and the 10th relative to the 7th. So it's like your partner.
1: Your partner's child as well. Right. uh, Or if
0: there was some other independent reason for those assignments, like the fact that Jupiter has its joys in the 11th and Jupiter is associated with like procreation and and the begetting of children and stuff in Valens. uh, Not really clear, but that's worth sort of exploring as well if somebody was wanting to do more of a research sort of topic on the houses that signify children and how to deal with the issue of multiple children in a person's life.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's also uh, a couple of lots of children. All right. Uh, which which Valens talks about as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I I guess when I see all that, I'm just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to stick <laughs> with the fifth. Like the fifth is, you know, works. We know it works for the fifth I don't know about the other ones necessarily, but- I mean at least know the fifth does, and it works on a sort of conceptual level of the fifth, you know, kind of, um, you know, giant motion is bringing the fifth sign towards the IC, uh, you know, so it's not your point of origin, but it eventually becomes part of for your family. It's being brought forth towards your, um, your family, and so that's what kids are—they, you know, they become part of your family you know, and it comes and it's a sign after the fourth too. So it's it's what follows kind of being in your own home with your parents, you know, eventually having your own family with your own kids, you know, so sort of that which follows your, I see. Anyway, yeah. yeah. The
0: continuation of the family lineage.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I suppose there are a lot of different ways that if astrologers did specialize, or if they did have a knack for doing uh, charts with parents and children. And there's lots of different ways that they could look at those kinds of things, which is useful. Um, I don't particularly, I haven't really delineated for parents and I'm a little, um, you know, iffy about who I would take on as, as a client for that if I did, just because it can be such a touchy topic and you you don't want to be careful. Uh, but yeah, I think I prefer to stick to the fifth as well. I, I like simplicity. I don't want to overcomplicate things just like, you know that can also happen with asteroids and all kinds of things which is you know one of the things that attracted me to traditional astrology is simple there's good structure and it's just okay follow this and it makes sense you know so fifth house as right. well straightforward so yeah, right
0: right and speaking of traditional astrology one of the questions that you have put in the outline was for more traditionally or hellenistic oriented astrologers how do you feel about analyzing zodiac releasing periods of your children's charts which is particularly for career, which is unique because zodiac releasing is such a bizarre technique because it calculates like all of the periods and it breaks a person's entire life up into chapters for like the first 100 years or 150 years, basically the foreseeable future of the person's entire life up into very specific, discrete chapters.
2: Uh, well, so, I, well, I will say that I have done it. Okay. <laughs> you have done it? Okay. Yeah. So, I definitely looked um, just because I was curious. uh and um so he has he has fortune and virgo and he has spirit in gemini so he has them angular to each other um, which is cool and so you know like i did speculate like uh, mercury is just such a huge player in his chart i mean fortune and uh spirit and uh, mercury mars conjunction the sun all in the third so You know, I I did like, look, I'm obviously not going to, you know, like we discussed earlier, and I agree with a lot of what Patrick said, I'm not going to push him to that, you know, do a certain career or do something that I think, oh, you know, you should do this, you're really good at this. I I think that, you know, each person should make their decision for themselves. Um, You know, I will suggest if he asks questions, or if he's curious, which I think he'll be very curious, but I think he'll probably be able to figure it out on his own as his own person. Um, But I, you know, as an astrologer and being his mom, I was curious, like, hmm, I wonder what his zodiacal releasing periods look like. And so kind of like imagine as I'm looking at them, like, oh, so the first 20 years of life is going to be like this. And, you know, start imagining scenarios and how he might develop into a person, um, probably someone very um, inclined towards academics, perhaps, or something like that, which wouldn't be surprising um given his parents background so
0: sure
1: i have definitely looked um uh obviously <laughs> 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 i mean i yeah i can't can't resist so i uh, i definitely looked um one thing to keep in mind is i think Valen says uh that for infants or for youth that you should look at fortune rather than spirit because they're more, especially when they're younger. They're more ruled by like circumstance, by the circumstances of their um, of their parents. They're less independent. So um, the idea is that you use fortune for kind of both topics until they've sort of developed more of their own mind. I think he even says like uh, around nineteen is like when you should like officially start <laughs> using spirit um, for analyzing the charts of of people. Uh, or, you know, young people. Um, so, I, yeah, I looked at my son's Zodiac releasing. I forget exactly what I saw with my daughters, but uh, he does have a Fortune 10th period, uh, but, like, way later in life, like, in his 60s, you know? Um, so, I'm not sure <laughs> what to get. It, it's, like, long periods of kind of obscurity, and then kind of, like, this really, really big one um, somewhere in his 60s. So, it kind of makes me think of, you know, the kinds of things that... People do that are really, really big when they are at that age. I mean, sometimes that's when people, you know, are finally retired and kind of get to do what they want to do, right? You know, and um, so that he may be like freed up to kind of pursue his life's work at that time and have big success, you know. But it's also uh, people, um, uh, I think of, you know, the look at the average age of like a presidential candidate, you know, that's going to be, you know, middle age. Uh, to 60s. So, I mean, that's potentially another sort of possibility. I think it's sort of activating his, yeah, it's 1410th. So, that's definitely a much more kind of visible period. So, uh, but it's funny. It's kind of a curiosity. I'll never see it. You know, I I won't be alive at that point. Um, (laughs) It's just so kind of odd to think that at that point, he'd probably be a grandfather potentially. Um, And uh, so, I mean, it doesn't really impact anything on a day-to-day basis, you know. But I just, I guess I kind of know, like, hey, you know, maybe he's got something, you know, cool that he's going to get to do, like, way later on down the line, you know, so I I just wonder what the point of knowing it is. <laughs> but I know it, you know, I, I know that, that that was on his, uh, on the docket for his releasing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a recurring theme here is a lot that we keep coming back to is a lot of, like, just silent knowing, and it's not necessarily that you're, doing anything with that or there's not like the necessity of needing to do something with it like actively, but sometimes just part of being an astrologer and being a parent is just a silent like observation and like knowing about certain things, even if you're not actively trying to like manipulate or control things or do do something to go out of your way to do something different than what you would otherwise.
2: Yeah, it definitely feels like Mood. wise old, you know, Even though we're not really old yet, but wise old person, you know, that looks into not with the crystal ball, but I remember one time you did do something or you put something up with a crystal ball. You know, a lot of people from the outside, it seems like astrologers are that we have this crystal ball in front of us and we're just looking in and telling you about your future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So it does feel like that, but yeah, definitely it's, it's, I mean, even as parents it's like how could we not want to know what happens to the little humans that we help create you know yeah
0: right yeah well um, yeah i mean i think it's interesting and i'll be you guys are going to have to catch we're going to have to check back in periodically i feel like over the next 5 10 20 years just to see how things are going and um, to see if you've you've had any new like evolving insights as you've gotten further into this journey As both parents and astrologers, and if if your views have changed at all, or if you've noticed anything different that's that's sort of you know surprised you, or or if it's just continued to sort of confirm where you're at already at this point.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. I do have one more. um, I have one more question, and actually, I didn't know that this would be perfectly relevant, um, but it kind of is because Patrick mentioned having uh, stepchildren, so I was curious, like. Um, do you also use the fifth house then, or do you do derivative houses or, um, do you look at Saturn, like when you're looking at those kinds of things in their charts? Um, I mean, do you, have you like even consider that, or I'm sure you did.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's really interesting you bring that up because I remember when I was, it was actually pretty early on in my astrological studies, I read that, um, so I forget exactly who it was some traditional author who said that uh Saturn in the fifth can indicate that one is a father of others, which I thought was always kind of strange. Um, especially because earlier. That's one of the balance
0: balances significations of Saturn.
1: Okay, yeah. So Saturn in the fifth is, is being a father of others' children. What's especially weird about that, I have Saturn in Sagittarius, is uh um I, uh, when I was growing up, I was raised, you know, totally Catholic, and I had to choose a confirmation name, um, uh, you know, I had to choose a, a saint to uh, be my, sort of, uh, the name that I took uh, for being confirmed as a Catholic. And so, I don't know, I was looking through this, you know, uh, book of saints, trying to figure out, you know, which one am I going to be, maybe St. Saint Barnabas, St. Francis, you know, but... Then I thought, you know, I don't respect any of these words. You know, the only one I actually like is St. Joseph because he is, you know, Jesus wasn't even, you know, his real dad or anything, but he still like was a dad to Jesus. So I thought, you know, that that's noble. I respect that. So I just think it's kind of strange that like, yeah, then just a few years later when I'm getting into astrology and rebelling against Catholicism, that I, you know, I read this thing about how having Saturn fifth means being a father to another person's child and I didn't really think much about it later on, but then um I uh, you know, when I was about twenty four, I met my wife. I I met my I met I met she was not my wife at that point, obviously. Um I had no idea, you know, what her life was like. All I knew was I was super in love. And um I didn't know that she, you know, had just gotten out of a divorce. I didn't even know that she had a child and um, you know, so as really hot on her <laughs> and uh you know it was this big kind of surprise oh so, you know she has a child, you know, husband's left out of the picture and um not in their lives. And uh I just kinda thought to myself um you know I, I just thought to myself, well this is a thing that can happen sometimes. So I'm really in love with this woman and and like I'm not going to, you know I'm not going to deny this feeling just because, you know, she has had a child and I, I, I guess, <laughs> I thought like not that I not this the reason I did it, but it reminded me of the fact that you know I I, you know had one point held Saint Joseph in high esteem precisely because he had uh, taken he'd uh, you know been a, a step parent of a sort, and uh, I have Saturn in the fifth, and I think that's there. There's been some complications, you know, with that. It's not an easy situation necessarily, but. This one that's very gratifying as well because you know I I have like she's my first daughter you know she's my first child and uh, she's my first experience of being a child, with being a parent um her son is exactly opposite my saturn so <laughs> it's uh it's it's interesting because as you know obviously you know she's connected to me through this kind of difficult topic of being a step parent um literally with her son um, you know opposite my Saturn but uh, when we got married when I got married to my current wife Venus was at that degree and I made a special vow on that day to you know to be her father yeah as I was you know, instead of marrying her mother so uh, Venus is you know on her son opposite my Saturn on the, on that day Uh, you know and uh, that is kind of I feel like the the sweet little story of um, me being a stepdad. Now, how I actually I am as a stepdad is completely up for debate, but uh, at least, you know, the, the road there, you know, was kind of described very well, I think, by Saturn in the fifth. So, I think it was the, you know, the fifth ruler describes my children, but I think the planets in my fifth house, Saturn and Uranus, kind of describe the incidental circumstances of the topic of children in my life.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. So, it sounds like it it was still the, it's still the fifth house, and it was indicated just by in your natal chart itself by having Saturn in the fifth, and that, right. that's actually really brilliant that you noticed that transit. of Venus. Which you have a night chart, so Venus would be the most positive planet for you right. in transits, and it opposed and and aspected exactly that Saturn placement the day that you actually became well. I I elected I
1: I elected the wedding, I, but that was an unintended consequence of picking that date. Um, okay, I also thought the the whole connection with the Saint Joseph stuff I think was really weird too, because my the ruler of my fifth obviously is Jupiter and the ninth, so it has all those sort of religious connotations, um even though it's not a religion I hold. I mean, I still respect Saint Joseph. I just don't you know right. I'm just not like a Catholic,
0: yeah totally um, yeah. <laughs> and 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 then there's one last one that i'll look I look forward to hearing more about from you guys in the future, which is just. Events happening in the parents' lives that are reflected in the child's chart. So the child having certain indications for their parents or going through certain transits like of planets through the fourth house relating to parents, and then events happening in, in your lives, which somehow correlate with that is another like interesting feature of this whole, you know, astrology of of parents and children that's kind of mysterious.
2: Yeah, I think that will be interesting to see as time goes on.
0: Right. Cuz it's not just I'll try to keep you know, better track. Yeah, <laughs> better better keep good notes cuz it's not just us, it's not you guys watching their charts, but there's something weird where there's a reverse thing going on as well where you know, their charts are sometimes reflecting your life in this this weird and very mysterious way.
1: Right. Mysterious.
0: All right. Well, um, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. We were going to shoot for ninety minutes, and we're right there right now. Is there anything that we were supposed to touch on, or that we meant to, that we didn't get a chance to?
2: I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it. Um, I, I did. Um, oh, there was like a, I mean, a list, like just like you know, if if someone were interested in or like kind of curious as to why they might. Uh, Consult with astrology for their child's chart. You know, like there's a number of things that, you know, you could get from it. Um, Should I like quickly read off the little list of things or did you want to? Sure.
0: Yeah. If you want to go ahead.
2: Okay. So um, the first is, you know, looking into their emotional nature and needs. And we talked a bit about that. Uh, The second was, you know, the parent child dynamics, the perceptions of the mother and father. We talked about that as well. Um, intellectual and psychological profile, their physical needs, also their health and their vitality, which you'd look at through the first house, uh, the innate gifts, talents and their creative outlets, things that um, you might want to kind of encourage them, n- maybe not push, but encourage them to uh, seek out. Their, um, some of the collective traits and their generation. So you might like look at 11th house things like their friends are, or, um, kind of like generational stuff that they might be involved in their learning tendencies, their personal learning tendencies and their ideal educational environment. We kind of talked about that a bit and then their spiritual orientation and development and the best ways to nurture that. So, um, yeah, I really wanted to kind of touch upon that. And that was actually referenced from another astrologer. Um and I I forget the link. It's like Soul Bridging something. I'm sure you can yeah. include that, right, Chris?
0: Yeah, it looks like it's at soulbridging.com/parenting-consciously-astrology. And it was written. The article was written by. It's titled "Parenting Consciously with Astrology" by Natasha Alter on the website soulbridging.com.
2: Yeah. So, um, she so she has some good information there. But I thought that that, that list was actually. Um, really succinct. It was really good.
0: Yeah. And I'd I'd love to hear more from like listeners as well. Hopefully people can post some comments in the comments section on the description page for this episode on the astrologypodcast.com, just in terms of some of the questions that we were talking about here. Like, where do you come down with, you know, the question of like looking at your child's chart versus not? Are you one of those astrologers that chooses not to or chooses to? And what are your reasons for that? Um, do you have any good examples, especially you know it's it's funny because we're all younger. both of you are younger people, so you're still sort of er- a little bit earlier in this journey. but I'm sure there's a lot of older astrologers and I've met I've actually met and, and been friends with a lot of older astrologers that have children and have had children that like grew up and had entire lives and families of their own. And so I'm sure there's a lot of like interesting stories and observations that people like that could share if they feel like sharing them in the comments section or, other things related to this topic. So hopefully it can be the start of like a broader discussion about this rather than, you know, obviously the end point of the discussion.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot more to discuss. So hopefully that was an engaging conversation. I thought it was. It was interesting. Some of the things that we talked about, and some of the stories that you shared, Patrick. I think it was cool to see that. Um so definitely it'll be cool to keep the conversation going off online. <laughs>
0: definitely
1: yeah it was it was it was nice to it was nice to hear uh some of your comments about uh parenting and astrology it was it was pretty cool i don't think i really talked to astrologers about parenting not <laughs> often <yeah>. right <laughs> astrology is not very necessarily family friendly field necessarily uh but uh you know um yeah hopefully uh we'll get some cool comments uh from other parent astrologers and hopefully none from people who want to pretend that their fur babies are the same as uh, having human children i don't know if the astrology of fur babies is like equivalent to like, <laughs> skin, like, babies. Babies. <laughs> like
2: skin babies
1: skin <laughs> yeah. babies
2: i definitely want to meet the I'm other parent astrologers out
1: there so <laughs> uh that's we started parent astrologers group like therapy of- <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, therapy group. and pet astrology is a whole other topic that I have not gotten to, <laughs> but hopefully one of these days on a future hard hitting episode of the astrology podcast.
1: Hey, maybe you could have a fur baby, Chris, and you could do a full, you know, full. astrological experiment.
0: Yeah, investigative you report. Know. I will get back <laughs> to you on that. Um, where can you need a puppy? Where where can people find out more information, Patrick? What's your What's your website? What are you go- doing at this point? You've got a new venture recently, right?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So I have transitioned away from the big fat astro label label uh to some degree uh but now you can find my work now at www.patrickwatsonastrology.com um I also have a website called www.weddingastrologer.com which is for uh newly engaged couples looking to elect their wedding dates so you can find me at www.patrickwatsonastrology.com Fun.
0: brilliant And uh, Ashley, where can people find out more information about you?
2: Um, So you can find me if Instagram is your thing. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is temple underscore healing underscore arts. I also have a website where I blog and you can um, book me for consultations there. My website's cosmic soup bowl.com. So cosmic and soup bowl.com just all one, there's no hyphens or anything. And, um, you can also find me on Facebook. If Facebook is your thing, um, my Facebook handle for my page for astrology, um, it's a mix of astrology because I'm also a mother. I I blog about motherhood as well. So, um, just search for Ashley Otero, writer and astrologer or astrologer and writer. I'm sorry. I messed that up. It's astrologer and writer. So, um, yeah, I'll send you the information for that. If you want to link it there on your page.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, I'll put uh, links to your websites in the description page for this episode on theastrologypodcast.com so people can check them out there. And uh, I meant to mention actually a really quick announcement. I recently tweaked it for like on iTunes and the RSS feed for podcast apps on phones for the past like eight years or however long I've been doing the podcast. It only shows the latest 50 episodes, but I actually finally figured out how to tweak it. So now it shows all 184 episodes. So now you can access all of the, the back catalog and go the, all the way back to episode 15 or whatever the earliest episode Patrick was on and listen to the start of his whole whole journey in, into parenting and everything else from way back in like 2012 when the podcast was started. And I think that's it. So yeah, thanks a lot, guys, for joining me today. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Astrology Podcast, and we will see you again next time.
2: Thanks. Bye.
1: Thanks for having us, bye.